Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of High Character. We have a very special episode coming out for you guys today. Evan and I got the chance to sit down with Jake Gaudet, former captain of the Minutemen, uh, 2021 national champion, and it was just awesome time getting to, getting to talk with him. Evan, how you doing, man? Doing great. Right after the interview, feeling really good. I thought it was a banger episode. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys think about it. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So I guess without further ado, here is Jake Godet. Watch out! Watch out! We are joined today by former Minuteman, uh, captain, 2021 national champion, and the pride of Ottawa, Ontario, Jake Godet. Jake, how's it going, man? It's good. It's good. Thanks for having me on, boys. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, got a lot of good questions, hopefully, uh, for, for you today. Um, should be fun. Looking forward to it. Cool. Same here. I've seen all the stuff on uh, hopping up my Instagram. I think the algorithm's got it pretty dialed in, so fun to hop on with you guys. Cool. Yeah, so I guess we'll we'll jump right in and start at the beginning. Uh, your big uh, Canada guy growing up in Ottawa, was it just hockey for you growing up, or was it other sports, other hobbies? Yeah, lots of lots of different things. I actually was I was cut a lot in high school, so I didn't play hockey at the highest level. So I played all sorts of sports: volleyball, basketball, track and field. I loved volleyball, loved basketball, probably the most. Um, and then, yeah, as I got older, you know, I decided I wanted to play hockey more and more, and that kind of became the the sole goal and pursued that basically as far as I could. And clearly, look where it ended you up. You know what I mean? Like you're in the AHL now. Like that's that's unbelievable stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you were talking about like, you know, Instagram and all that, like getting caught with the algorithm, we were, you know, you can't literally like, we, we can go on like your Instagram or whatever. And there's just like a bunch of fishing stuff. Like there's, it's insane. Like you got some absolute massive fish on there. Like, is that a huge kind of like part of your life? Like just outdoors in general? Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, I grew up, uh, we were lucky enough to have a cottage in, in Ottawa, just a couple hours North Ottawa. So I grew up fishing from a very young age it's been a huge part of my life uh, basically outside of the rink now actually you're catching me in a parking lot i'm about to fish once uh, once we finish chatting so yeah Boy. between that uh, hunting and just getting outside that's uh, it's a huge part of just things i love to do dude that's awesome yeah you have some huge fish on there uh i guess switching over to umass a little bit um is there anything that you could point to with umass carvel assistance anything like that that like told you umass was where you wanted to go yeah, I think uh, on my recruiting visit, um, I just loved the feel of the campus. It was big, um, had some personality to it. And, it had, you know, obviously a good business school at the time was, was important to me. And there was an opportunity to kind of help build a program. And that was something I was really attracted by. You know, they obviously didn't have a great season before I went in. They won five games, but it really felt like they had all the pieces. And you could kind of get the feel that, that Coach Carvel had an idea of what he wanted to do with the program. And he knew kind of the way to achieve that. And to be a part of that was something I was really excited for. Yeah, I mean, clearly Carvel. I mean, it's just such a big part of what, what we accomplished here. And, you know, our title, High Character, is obviously kind of a testament to that. Um, is there really, like, anything that he does that just really sets him apart in your eyes, like, just as a coach, in comparison to, like, other, you know, school or, like, programs that you've been a part of? Yeah, yeah, I think just his intensity, um, for sure, <laughs> is one thing. You know, he's obviously very serious. He's... Uh, he works as hard, if not harder than the players, which is something I always respected as a player, regardless of, you know, how intense it was or, you know, how hard he could be as a coach at times, you know, he would match your work ethic, if not 
above where that was. Um, and for him, there's no details missed. I think uh, that's really important. You're building a college program compared to pro. You have control over a lot of the little details and how you can influence players that come in, whether they're freshmen or sophomores, if, you know, true freshmen now are starting to come in. But for my class, we were a lot of older guys. Um, you have the ability or he had the ability to kind of shape those players, how to behave as a pro away from the rink, at the rink, how to prepare for games. And, you know, he has a very systematic approach to the game and yeah. it's difficult to play that at first. Um, and I think that's where you need kind of the discipline away from the rink and the discipline at the rink and really good practices in order to kind of build that that program and the idea that he has in mind. Yeah, I think we definitely feel that we've met him a few times and it's a little little intimidating for sure how intense he is. But uh, is there any kind of soft spot in there with Carvel? Does he have <laughs> a soft side or no? Sometimes, yeah. He'll... Uh, you see it sometimes, you know, he's had uh, the classes over for dinner at his house. You get to meet his family and that's kind of where you have those moments, uh, moments with him. But I'd say, yeah, you know, on a day-to-day basis at the rink going through practice, he he's pretty intense. And even when, uh, you know, you're having those kind of moments where he opens up a little bit, there's still that kind of intimidation factor a little bit mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it definitely kind of helps you earn, you know, all the other guys kind of buy in though. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, He's definitely, you know, you're there for a reason. It seems like kind of like Coach Carvel is not a good, like you're either you love him or you don't. And so knowing that people are kind of part of the program, I feel like definitely is going to help influence them and just say like, you know, Carvel's our guy. Like that's, that's you know, you're going to run through a brick wall for him. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, players that choose to go to UMass, you choose to go there to be challenged and to grow and to be a part of a successful program. And I think a huge part of that is being able to accept hard criticism and coaching and understand you know, that you need to get out of your comfort zone, I think, to improve. Yeah, I mean, even just like talking about coaching, like one of the things that like we've kind of noticed a lot, like when we talk about like the games or whatever is like face-offs is like a huge thing that like our teams tend to be really good at. Is there like a secret to that? Like, is there just like something insane that the coaching staff is like, I know you were really good in the face-off dot. We got guys like Lapina now who are nasty in the face-off dot. Like, is that just like a player to player thing or is there some sort of secret inside the program for that? There's definitely, uh, I'd say there's awareness of it and it's, it's emphasized a lot as being pretty important, you know, the way to start the game, you want to win the face off. Um, I don't know if there's a secret recipe. We had a guy, my freshman and sophomore year, Jamie Henry was a grad assistant that helped out with our team. He had done a ton of analytics on face offs. Um, and we did some special work with him, but, uh, I'd say like, you know, three out of the four practices a week, we're doing extra work on face-offs after practice. So I think that has a huge part of it. And then also a lot of the guys at UMass, have, we've been fortunate to have really strong sentiment. So just being able to practice and take face-offs against those guys, I think helps kind of improve the overall quality. Yeah, that's definitely been a huge strength like the last five or so years. Uh, also another strength of your game is like laying the body whenever you have to do that. Is that something... <laughs> you took upon yourself is that like a coaching decision like hey jake gotta gotta lay the body more like what what goes behind that a little bit yeah i think i've always enjoyed hitting and and being physical my my whole career and i think as i got to umass it became clear that that was a way for me to be effective and to you know gain some trust with the coaches and you know it just going through the kind of career couple years at umass uh, it obviously helps you win and it helps you kind of maintain a presence on the ice and I think uh yeah that's something I've tried to carry in my pro game as well yeah no I mean even just as like a little side note like 
that's definitely something that I missed a lot. Like when you were playing for us, like it was just awesome <laughs> to see that. And I feel like one guy that's kind of filled in that niche was Anthony Delgaza. Like he's been doing the same thing like the past couple of weeks. Man's been laying some absolute bodies out there. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh yeah. I watched that uh, game against Providence. He basically yeah. hit that one kid with an 18 wheeler. It, <laughs> it was nuts. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was a big hit. I was a fan of that. But um, yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll kind of start going into kind of the timeline of your career at UMass. Like we'll start off in 2018, 2019. Like that was the first like really special season. You know what I mean? Like make that Final Four run. Um you know, get it to the championship game. You know, we kind of know how, how that ended up. But, I mean, what was that season like for you? Like, was it just like, you know, everybody was just rallying around the team. Like, first, you know, it was kind of seen as more of like a basketball school. I think we've kind of shifted at least in the more, you know, interim to a much more big hockey presence in the school. Is that kind of just something that, you know, you really just enjoyed? Like, what was the season overall like for you? Yeah, I have really fond memories that season. We had a ton of fun. and for us kind of you know we put in a ton of work at UMass whether it's you know freshman summer freshman year the following summer a lot of us were back there to train and we knew we had a really good team and it, it was just a matter of kind of keep we kept playing games we kept winning which was a ton of fun and then as those wins kept happening you could tell kind of the general Amherst mm -hmm. community and the UMass fans were starting to get behind the team and then by the time we made it to you know the final four it had come to a pretty wild point where you know there's tons of hype about the team all of a sudden we had a huge fan base and a ton of support and it was a really really fun time to play just want to set the record straight that uh mark del Gaizo goal in the frozen four you did have an apple on so uh people forget about that they shouldn't yeah but uh yeah what was what was that night in that game like and like the whole frozen four experience for the first time it was pretty cool um and that's probably an understatement obviously you know we went mm -hmm. to buffalo um that first game was was I mean all of a sudden you're there right you almost mm -hmm. blink and then you're kind of in the final four or frozen four and for us being there for a first time it was kind of you know eyes wide trying to soak it all in and then yeah even that game uh, that game against Denver was crazy where you know we went up I think three nothing or two or three nothing mm -hmm. lost uh, Mitchell Chafee I think we lost Nico almost and should have lost Bobby yeah. End up kind of blowing yeah. the lead, getting to overtime. And then, yeah, I think, you know, for us, it just, we felt like there was no way to lose almost. Like, I think uh, going through kind of Coach Carvel's uh, coaching strategy and kind of how tough things can be throughout the year, we got to a point where, uh, yeah, in overtime, we just figured out how to kind of play. And mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, nine assists, basically threw it in Chow's feet and he figured <laughs> out how to get it up to the point. And, uh, one of the easier second apples I've had, but that was just so exciting. I think of most exciting moments in my career and that's, you know, easily top three seeing that goal go in. And then it was just kind of pure chaos jumping in the bench. And then even just to have the thought, you know, we're going to the national championship at that point was, was crazy. Yeah. I think we have, might have something a little bit higher, but we'll touch on that a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah. No, you want to talk about chaos. Me and Cam were out in the stands in that game and this kid lost his shoe in the stands. We were <laughs> celebrating. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was, I bet. It was nice. yeah. Yeah. That was but, a night. Yeah. No, that was an amazing night, but yeah, I mean, moving on 2019, 2020, another phenomenal season. Like the team was dialed in. We were looking really solid and then COVID happens. It's like, like we just couldn't catch a break at that point. Like that's the worst. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that season? Like, you think we could have made another final four run like that? Like, it's just, was, was it a real kind of punch in the gut to you guys as a whole? 
Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. I think we would have had a good run in the playoffs. There's no way to really tell how deep we could have gone. But the one player I think kind of got screwed by that was John Leonard. I think he was having yeah. an unbelievable end of the year. I think if uh, if he had the opportunity to make a run in the playoffs, he would have been like a top Hobie candidate, I think. Um, but yeah, just just weird to kind of have it all in like that. Obviously frustrating. And then to kind of go from having so much structure in your life to none for a little while was weird. Mm-hmm. Then obviously no fans for a while and whatnot, but uh, yeah, we had a ton of fun that year. I struggled a little bit, was hurt for a bit, um, mm-hmm. but it kind of finally made it back. And then, yeah, obviously the year got shut down. Mm-hmm. And then that off season, you end up getting to see, uh, tell us how you first found out about that and like how special that is to you. Yeah, it was, it was really special. I think uh, somewhere at home, I was driving up to the cottage. I got a random call from, uh, from coach and, yeah, that'll you know stress you out all of a sudden. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. this could only be can either be really bad or really good. I kind of had an idea going into it, but uh, yeah, obviously it was a it's a huge honor. You know, something that I was really excited for to kind of take that next step and some added responsibility and help you know kind of bring some cohesiveness to our team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that season, I mean, the the 2020 2021 season, there's no fans up until the Frozen Four, like. Like, was that really tough, you know, to play in without the fans, like, kind of behind you guys? Or, like, is it a case where maybe it could have been a little bit easier than we thought? Like, you know, maybe you guys can communicate better on the ice. Like, little things like that. Like, was it a hindrance or a help? I think, uh, yeah, definitely a hindrance at some points. I think the first month we were so excited to be playing hockey that it wasn't mm-hmm. even a factor. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't even factor in the fans. But then, like, as we got deeper kind of into the winter and you know it became normal that we were playing games like I think of one game we had like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon game in Merrimack in like you know middle of December it's cold like some of those games are are the ones that were hard to get up for so I think compared to normal seasons where you have fans to kind of get the excitement up there's definitely maybe a little bit of a lull um, during the year and we had to kind of get creative to figure out ways to to get guys excited and kind of get morale up Mm. Tough to get up for games and Lawler rink with fans, I'd imagine also. But <laughs> um, yeah, then, <laughs> then the uh, that season was UMass's first ever Hockey East Championship. You had the the one goal in that game. Uh, did you guys get a chance to like soak that in, or was it just straight uh, business back to the national tournament? Yeah, no, we uh, we had some time to we enjoyed that uh, Saturday night for sure, and then you know a little bit probably too much I would say but uh yeah no that was really special I think unique to that year you know obviously we got to win it on home ice so for Mm -hmm. the seniors that was pretty special to you know wear the jersey at home for the last time and get to take the uh, Lou Lamorella trophy off the ice was pretty cool Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome and then you know going into that national tournament you're nipping a couple genos in the in the regionals like that's that's pretty cool you love to see that you know get getting the boys back to the frozen four like that do you, do you think that it was a little bit easier that season just because you feel like you've kind of been there before at this point? Like, it's not so much of a shock, like, wow, like, we're really making it. Like, it's kind of a sense of, like, you know, damn, we belong here. You know what I mean? Like, we have sustained success now. Is that is that yeah. something that was kind of going through your mind? For sure. I think, you know, the first time you go, you kind of soak it in the whole experience. You're not really sure what it's going to be like. You know, obviously, it's new to you. Second time around, you know, majority of our team had been there. And it was kind of business as usual for for the most part, you know, we knew what it would look like. We knew what the schedule would be, kind of how the media and the treatment would be. So we went in there. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a huge advantage. And then looking back at 2019, you know, when we played Duluth in the finals, they had obviously been there before. Mm-hmm. 
being in their kind of shoes the next time you, you could really appreciate how valuable that experience was. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, get to the championship game, finally get over that hump. Uh, probably the, definitely the biggest moment in UMass's program history. Uh, you get to raise the trophy, get it from the, um, I don't know who that was, NCAA commissioner. Uh, how awesome was that just to be uh, the only one so far that uh, got to receive the trophy and bring it over to the boys? Yeah, pretty, pretty special. You know, we went through a lot throughout kind of four years at UMass, a lot of hard work and to have it kind of all culminate in that was, uh, yeah, something I'll never forget. And like, it still feels surreal. Even when I see the photos sometimes you're like, man, it's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, we were doing a little bit of digging um, on, on Twitter before this to, to try and get some, get some info on, on kind of just everything surrounding that game. And we found a quote uh, of you talking to a reporter after the game saying that you need a beer. <laughs> after the game did you end up grabbing that beer <laughs> yeah we <laughs> yeah there were a few a few grabbed for sure that was one of the fun parts was uh you know we obviously were separated from our families most of the year didn't go home for christmas and then to get to pittsburgh um we won and then you know we were finally kind of the covid bubble had ended we were able to see all our family we were able to have the trophy and celebrate that was uh, pretty special yeah yeah that was awesome to see all the photos coming out of that and stuff uh, so now that you're away from the program, obviously you graduated last year. Do you still keep up with, uh, what's happening with the team a lot? And, uh, if you have, do you have any, any thoughts on this year and the, the boys chances to make it back to that frozen four? Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching a decent amount of games lately. I separated my shoulder sometime in uh, January. So I was hurt. And so when the boys are on the road, I was at home watching, uh, as many UMass games as I could I actually watched uh, the Providence game with uh, Carson Gusevich from last year he was in town oh, he wow. plays on Rockford so he came over for a nice steak dinner we watched the the uh, UMass Providence game yeah I like the team I like the team there's a lot of turnover obviously they have some young mm -hmm. freshmen I think you saw that kind of in the start of the year it's it's a huge adjustment I think to play the systems that UMass plays and how disciplined you need to be away from the puck I think you've seen that kind of throughout the year where they're starting to kind of figure it out and find that identity and, and you know it's a great time to, to do that going into playoffs so I'm excited to see where they can take it obviously Bobby's having an unbelievable year same with Murr so I'm excited to see where those guys kind of finish and then where they end up uh, after their careers yeah dude it's awesome to you could see like more than other programs the progress of the freshmen as they go through you got guys like Morrow and Ufco they're like uh definitely a little bit of struggles to start the year but uh, they definitely get straightened out with the program and they look fantastic now going into the postseason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned like, you know, separating your shoulder, getting injured, like clearly you're still, you know, a big part of, you know, hockey as you know, your professional career goes. So do you want to just like kind of set the record straight, like where you're at right now in your career? Like I believe you're part of the, the blue jacket system right now. Yeah. Yeah, I am. So I signed a, a PTO and a one-year deal last year uh, after our season ended. So I'm playing uh, for the Cleveland Monsters in the AHL, which is in the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets organization. Cool. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, I guess we just have a couple a couple rapid-fire questions for you, and then we'll get you on your way, catch some fish. That sounds good. <laughs> sure, yeah, that works. So uh, first one is, do you have a favorite place to eat on campus at UMass? Um, yeah, I love Burke. Dinner at Burke was always uh, – get the whole team rolling in those are the mm. best times yeah you a late night guy or before sometimes sometimes yeah when I lived in the dorm we actually lived out in Johnson Hall in uh, like north yeah northeast which wasn't mm -hmm. ideal 
but uh, yeah, we'd, we'd go uh, late night there sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Evan and I lived there our sophomore year and Leno and Ferraro and stuff were in the building too. That was a fun time. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I remember, so I remember one night it was, I think it was during Bruins playoffs. I think it was Leno ripping basically Ferraro and bots the whole time <laughs> talking about because they were Leafs fans. It was the funniest thing ever. There was, there's a lot of memories in that building for sure. I, I yeah. miss those guys a lot too. That was awesome. Yeah. They're all beauties. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, next question. Do you have a favorite place to eat off campus? Oh yeah. I loved uh, Chow, myself, Colby Vigara and I, there's a uh, Miss Saigon, good full bowls, kind of a good Sunday mm-hmm. spot. Or uh, I think Miss Lee's maybe, I can't remember the name. There's an Asian place kind of right across the street from there. They had uh, some unbelievable food. I think those are probably my, my two sleeper spots I'd pick. All right. Nice. All right. Uh, and then speaking of downtown, do you have a favorite bar in Amherst? <laughs> I think I got to go spoke. I know, uh, I know lit basically is no longer, uh, no longer mm-hmm. with us. We had some good times there, but yeah, spoke was always fun. They were, they were good to us. And then, uh, do you have a favorite away arena to play at outside of Mullins? Um, I love playing at Lowell. I always thought those games were a ton of fun. It's a cool mm-hmm. rank and they're, they're really hard to play against. Those games are always pretty intense and uh, some animosity from the fans too. Oh yeah. So rewarding to get a win there. For sure. Yeah, no, the season's win against them was awesome at that rank. Like it's just, it's such a, like you can kind of feel the rivalry there. It's awesome. But um, for sure. yeah, no, we're going to move in a couple more rapid fire questions this time for the locker room type of stuff. We're going to talk okay. about okay. just kind of like some of the players that you play with. Um, so first one, funniest teammate, or is there like a, like a clown of the team? Uh, George Mika. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hands down. I think that's pretty predictable. Honestly. Yeah. That was yeah. definitely the vibe I got on social media. He was always <laughs> commenting on stuff. He's a big, big part of that. Um, all yeah. right. Next one, best and worst style. Ooh. Um, I got to bury Jake McLaughlin here. Love the guy. But uh, there's one notorious night he wore his uh, team workout shoes to the bar. So he's worse <sighs> style, I think. And then, uh, oh, I don't know. Probably Jack Suter, I think. Some of the better. Understated style. Like, just classy. Looks good. I like that. He was always classy on the ice, too. The man was fast as hell when he skated, too. Like he, <laughs> I, I miss him a lot. He was awesome. Um, yeah, great guy. Yeah. Next one designated dj in the locker room was there one or was it always different this is actually probably unexpected steve uh, tratch was our equipment guy mm. the first couple of years um he would get the ox cord going a lot and then i can't honestly can't really remember i think bobby trevino had it for a little while it was a good mix it kind of shifted around for a decent amount all those guys still part of the program so you love to see that type of character stick around yeah. so that's awesome yeah exactly um, and the last one, were there any sort of pregame or postgame speeches, either by like a coach or a player um, that just kind of stick out to you that were really notable? Yeah, I'm trying to think. We, we'd uh, kind of circle up like after warm up before the game. Um, I can remember a few, especially the last year where we were in the Frozen Four where it was pretty special, especially being a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing it was kind of the last game, no matter what, especially getting to that championship, knowing, you know, that was the last time you're going to wear the jersey, win or lose. Mm-hmm. I can remember, uh, you know, myself, even Bobby Trevino, Chow, Phil, some guys speaking up and, and sharing some pretty special uh, motivation. And then, yeah, obviously, you know, there's some special speeches after you win, win the trophy and, you know, whether that be Hockey East or the National Championship, it, uh, 
it's a special moment to kind of share that with a bunch of guys that you've been through a lot with. And, uh, you know, it, it's also sad at the same time because you'll never be uh, a part of that group again. And, you know, that's the last time you'll really be officially a team. So I can think of, you know, those are probably two of the, two of the special uh, speeches I can remember. Can you, uh, can you share what is said when uh, Carvey gets the boys in the circle after a big win, or is that more like a <laughs> private, private moment? I'd say it's a little private for sure, but uh, you know, if you, it's not uh, nothing out of the blue, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's, it's a time to celebrate and appreciate kind of where you're at in the season and that you have the privilege and the opportunity to go into playoffs uh, together. And, uh, you know, the last one I can think of was after we won Hockey East, being able to do that kind of on home ice and uh, and get excited for the tournament. It's kind of a way to, you know, celebrate what you've been through and get ready for for the tournament. Yeah, yeah I love seeing that. It looks awesome whenever, whenever they do that. Uh, I guess we just have one more question for you and we'll get you on your way. Uh, do you have any kind of elevator pitch to uh, prospective recruits to come to UMass? Anything sets UMass apart that you want to get out there? Trying to think. Yeah. I mean, uh, winning's a lot of fun and, uh, you know, coach Carvel is a good job at getting teams to do that and, and developing people to or developing players to, you know, not only be better people, but, you know, develop people for the, for the pro level. And I think, uh, you know, that's a huge part of what to look for when you're at UMass and, you know, don't go there if, if you're not comfortable being, uh, accepting some criticism and, and being coached and, uh, understanding where you kind of fit into a team culture awesome yeah i mean that, that's totally i feel like that's just completely expected like just with everything that we know about carvel i mean he's just really just one of those types of guys where you got to buy in you know and if you don't like your ass is on the bench like it's simple you like you're not getting yeah. out there so yeah for sure no it's been fun uh, even since you know obviously when i committed there it wasn't necessarily a destination school for a lot of recruits but now you know i've people are reaching out so-and-so wants to go to UMass and you connect them with the coach and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool to see that, uh, you know, coach Carvel's built, uh, built a program where, where kids want to go and play. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, awesome to see. Well, thank you for your time, Jake. Appreciate it. Uh, good luck for you the rest of the way in hockey on the pond, everything you're, everything you're doing. <laughs> cool. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Great work pod. And uh, I'll be following along. Appreciate Thanks, you, man. man. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. See you guys. Take care. Watch out! Watch out! And that was our interview with Jake Gaudet. Uh, Love getting to talk to him. He's a lot of insight on the program, which was really cool to hear. Yeah, no, I mean, he was super great to talk to. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit nervous kind of going into it. I was like, wow, you know, such a, such a big name kind of getting to talk to, but he made it super comfortable. I thought his answers were awesome. There was definitely a lot of insightful stuff some stuff I did expect some things I definitely didn't so I think there was a lot of a lot of cool stuff to be shared via Jake there but yeah I loved my time with him it was great yeah for sure uh that was our first if you've been following along first player interview we're hoping to get a lot more of these out to you guys in the future especially in the off season when we got some time to to put together some episodes so yeah uh definitely look forward for that in the future but we hope you guys enjoyed this one for sure all right I guess that's that's all we got today. So uh, be on the lookout for our preview for the Hockey East semifinals against Lowell. Uh, we're you're gonna get a very excited Cam and Evan for that one. Uh, should come out soon. But other than that, go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody.